Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. Ever heard test your marketing but have no idea how to do that? Social, Google, cold pitches, newsletters, marketing can be an exhausting grind. What if you knew how to choose the best channels for your business? Growth Trackers is a membership for creative business owners who want to stay booked with less energy. Take charge of your leads when you learn how to find your get booked formula. Become a growth tracker at supereasydigital.com slash growth trackers. Use code full-time freelance for 5% off your membership. For many freelance writers, working alone can feel satisfying, except when it doesn't. Without a collaborator to share ideas and opinions, you may feel blocked. A survey on LinkedIn even revealed that 52% of writers struggle with being stuck. If you're one of them, book a session with Ivy Magic. Creative director Jeannie Ivy's vast experience collaborating with writers can help you unlock your brightest, most effective work yet. Learn more at thativymagic.com slash collaboration. If you are applying for a job as a freelance writer, whether that's maybe something you're doing on the side, you have an in-house job, or maybe you've been freelance writing for a while now. And because things are so bizarre right now with the economy, you are applying for in-house jobs for the first time. I think a good thing to talk about on the podcast is what exactly are people looking for when they're hiring a writer? Now, we've done a previous episode where we've talked about what people look for when they're hiring a freelancer, which is a little bit more generalized to the business side of things. But when we talk about writing specifically, what are the traits and qualities and skills that people in those hiring roles are looking for? So that's what we're diving into today. Hopefully, it'll be very practical and actionable if you're in this boat or if you're just somebody who's kind of getting back into the saddle with this type of thing. Because there have been a lot of layoffs this year. I know that TechCrunch said in 2023 so far, there have already been something like 120,000 layoffs at tech companies. And so a lot of writers like you and I, Emma, who are in this tech space, are really feeling this right now. So I want to talk about how to be a good candidate when people are looking to hire for these types of roles. So my first question for you is, if you were in that hiring seat, and you and I both hire subcontractors, so we have been and and still are in the day-to-day, what are kind of the indicators or characteristics or qualities that you look for in somebody when you're hiring a writing related position? I feel like it's tough because on one hand, I feel like I hire writers as subcontractors, so I have a sense. And then on the other hand, I feel like I don't know internally what marketers are looking for when they're making like a content marketing hire or something like that. So I feel like I know a lot about this and I don't know a lot about this. I just want to preface with that. I feel like I look for people that are, first of all, like they have excellent command of the English language. Like it sounds basic, but I've hired a lot of subcontractors that really just are not very good writers. Like their sentences aren't clear. Like they're just not that great. And I feel like that is obviously like a gigantic issue. But so that is kind of like, Number one for me is hiring someone who can actually write 
extremely well and has like a good, almost intrinsic sense of like what's going to work on the page. And I realize that's something that's like hard to quantify exactly, but I feel like that's been the most important thing for me with hiring subcontractors. And they also need to be very responsive. I like when they ask questions, but not too many questions, but it's okay. I'd rather have (laughs) too many questions than no questions. Yeah, that's kind of like, I realize that's sort of basic of like, oh, they need to have like command of the English language, but that's where I start. How about you? So question on that. So when you're screening writers for that, do you have them do like a trial assignment? And if so, how do you gauge their skill? Is it something you can tell within like the first 30 seconds of reading? Uh, yeah, definitely within the 30 first 30 seconds of reading. And yeah, if I work with a subcontractor, I w- will work with them on one project and see how it goes. There's some people that I know are like really good. And sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to hire and pay for them to do it if they're available, even if I'm not making much money on it, just because like I, it's hard to get someone who's really good that can do it for like, like cheap. Cause I think what happens is if subcontractors are really, really good, oftentimes they will build their businesses and you sort of get priced out. Right. I think a big one for me, this is one that I've been feeling a lot lately is related to the editing process. So maybe I get back a first draft that's like pretty good and I'm feeling like, okay, yeah, I can work with this. But then I go in to deliver feedback and I'm like, oh man, this is pretty intense work I'm having to do here. And then I get either like pushback on the edits, which is good sometimes, but sometimes it's like, so for context here, for example, they will reference a quote from somebody, but they won't leave their title. And their question for me in the doc will be like, need this person's name and title. And it's like, could you have Googled that yourself? And if you didn't, why didn't you? Like, are you not resourceful enough to do that? Or are you lazy? Or like, what is the characteristic indicator of that? So that's kind of specific, but like, how resourceful are you? Yeah, the resourcefulness is big. Because you're like, are you like going out there and doing research? Are these things that you can find? Or does everything need to be like really handed to you? Yeah, I think the editing process can be really illuminating too, because sometimes people will get really defensive about comments and feedback that you've left within the doc or they push back in a way that's like, well, no, you're wrong because X, Y, and Z. And it's like, "Mm, this isn't a battle of ego here. This is, you're not meeting the objective of what we're trying to accomplish. And I'm trying to help us both get there. So I think that that's a good indicator too. And that's, again, for people who are in this process themselves and maybe have been asked or tasked with a trial post, this is something to keep in mind is that that editing process is something that they're watching very closely. Yeah. I think like also I found sometimes that I give feedback and then like they don't really do a good job editing, right? Like there's all this feedback and then they're like, oh, I spent like five minutes like making some grammar changes. They don't really like go in and try and make it any better. I've seen that happen. Yeah. When you look at their portfolio, are there any specific things you look for like in the context of a portfolio? Because I know that that's something that's often a big part of the process too. Yeah, I do. I have been tricked in the past where I see a really nice portfolio and then their work is not that great. But I think what I look for is ability to like do some technical subjects because that proves that they can kind of do the research aspect of it. So I always look at that. Like I'm like, do you have any kind of like more technical samples That's something that's helpful. And I do actually like read all of the samples to get a sense 
I'm not like trying to tick boxes. I think I'm trying to like get a sense of if I think the person could do it for my particular project. How about you? Like, how do you kind of peruse the writing samples? So I think a big one for me is with a lot of the work that I do, it's kind of has that journalistic angle. So I look at, do they have kind of those journalistic writing chops where they can connect the dots for readers, where they can like analyze and synthesize information to illustrate a larger point. I feel like with the type of work that I do, and again, this is very specific to my experience, but I think for people who are applying for these types of roles, it's relevant. I think I look for when they're given a prompt, whether that's a brief or just like a topic and and somebody says, here, run with it. How do they tackle that? In what way? Are they following kind of journalistic standards? Are they taking a very like investigative, exploratory approach to answering the question that the article poses? Are they connecting the dots? Are they pulling reliable research and stats and data that back up? It's very much like, do they know the principles of rhetoric? Can they write an article that stands on its own. That's a big one for me. Yeah, I think that's where I get sort of the like command of the English language thing, right? Where I'm like, can you like actually write this? And then, so there's like all this writing aspect of it. And then there's also this like personality or other skills, other soft skills aspect of it, where like, interestingly, when I hire, I want someone to be flexible about stuff. Like I don't want them to have like such an ironed out process that it makes it impossible to work with them. But this is like unique to the kind of like way I hire subcontractors where if they have a really established business, they're probably not a great fit. I'm curious, Kaylee, like what you think about like hiring managers internally, if they're hiring like a content marketer or a copywriter, like do you have a sense of what those companies are looking for? Because I think their use case is a little bit different than ours, where we're sort of looking to slot someone into just this kind of writing role. Whereas I think there are broader general marketing roles that people are hiring for internally. Yeah. I think it's a matter of oftentimes, like, do you have a an engaging writing voice when you write something? Is it just like Ben Stein, basically in the reader's head when they're reading what you've written? Or is it something conversational and engaging? Is it something, I don't know. I feel like it's one of those innate senses that you have as far as, is this writing good or not? And we've kind of touched on that. It's very difficult to quantify. But I think another thing too is like, do they follow directions? This is such a big one. Did they read all of the documentation that you worked so hard to put together and then follow the king instructions? So often the answer is no. Why is that? I don't know. People can't follow instructions though. You're right. Is it just like an attention span thing? Like they just rush through and they're trying to move on to the next thing? I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's frustrating. Yeah. Maybe it's a little sense of knowing better or feeling like they know better. Or I've had some subcontractors sort of do like almost like a half fast job kind of. And then I think that their expectation is like, oh, I'm going to like turn this thing in and then maybe I'll like get some feedback back or this other person is going to carry it across the finish line because it's not my job to have something that's really polished. I mean, I don't hire those people again, but I think there's some of that going on maybe. I think another screening question that I've heard come up in these types of interviews too is like, 
what are you reading right now? Because we've talked about this before. If you're not reading, it's really hard to be a good writer because you don't have that frequent context of reading sentences and understanding how language works. So like, do you have an established reading practice? Even if it's you pick up a book once a week, once a month. Do you have an established reading process or a practice? Yeah. Or like, what are you reading right now? Tell me about the last book you read and, and when did you read your last book? I think that that's a good question. That's quite a good question because it's also not one that people expect you to ask. But if you are in the world of like writing and reading, like you're obviously reading something. Like I'm reading, there's a book on my nightstand, right? Like (laughs) that's a tricky one. But it also gets me to like, you and I also talk a lot about the fiction that we're reading. Like we give each other book recommendations and isn't about what we do professionally, but in a way, maybe it is. B2B is an absolutely fabulous niche. That's why Kaylee and I work in the space. Today's sponsor is the B2B Writing Institute, which is run by Sarah Griesenbach, an incredibly talented former teacher turned freelance writer with 10 years experience in business-to-business writing. Sarah can teach you how to show, not sell, which means educating and explaining what you do rather than pushing sales. If you're interested in writing blogs, white papers, and case studies for B2B clients, even if you have no experience, head to b2bwritinginstitute.com and sign up for Sarah's email newsletter. I subscribe and I can tell you it'll make you laugh and make more money at the same time. Automatic Evergreen, a fully managed newsletter service that uses your existing content and one-to-one interviews to develop fresh content for a weekly email newsletter. Their team of experts creates the landing page, newsletter copy, and template. They even upload, format, and schedule the email so you never need to log into the email provider. Their goal is to provide a well-written, cash-flowing, on-time newsletter every single week that requires little to no time from you. Schedule a free discovery call today at yourweekly.email. Yeah, again, it's just like, how familiar are you with words and phrasing and like, Yeah. Just do you spend time in words or is it something that you just do for work? I feel like that's a good indicator of interest too. And maybe that's an unfair question. I don't know. Maybe some people struggle to read or, but I think even if you're an audiobook person, that's a really good workaround. You could say, well, I'm not a big physical copy of a book reader, but I listen to books all the time. But yes, I think in general, reading practice is a good filtering question. I think One thing that I see come up sometimes, and it's kind of specific to the type of role or job that you're applying to, but especially in the context of copywriting, do you have a very signature writing voice that matches what we're trying to accomplish here? Because so often copywriting type work is like personality driven, it's funny, it's engaging, and that's a difficult thing to teach. You either kind of have it or you don't. Have you seen that? And do you have any good indicators of like, here's what somebody would be looking for in those situations. Can you like rephrase that question, Kaylee? Yeah. So like, for example, I'm thinking of Leanna Patch. She has this whole business built around like really funny, engaging copywriting. And so she has this great body of work that she can show where she's like, obviously very funny in her writing. She has a stand-up comedy and an improv background. Like she has all of the boxes ticked as far as she'd be a great fit for this job. I feel like that is kind of an indication of that, but, and maybe it's just the portfolio. Maybe it's not even a question. Maybe it's just a matter of like, do you have relevant samples in your portfolio that align with what we're going for? And that's hard to know if you're in the person applying for that job role. I think maybe a better question is, have they done their research 
on what the job is and what your company kind of sounds like. Yeah. It also says like, oh, the test assignment or the sample is really important because that's when you can kind of see if they can write like you. I think, like I'm thinking about the Leanna example, it's easier to hire someone whose existing body of work and existing like persona out there is pretty similar to the voice that you want. I find that it's like difficult if somebody writes in a really different way to like educate them over. I mean, it's not impossible. Like you kind of mentioned, you either get it or you don't. But I think it's like, if you want to hire somebody funny for something, then like go to Leanna, don't try and take some like serious business writer and ask them to do that. They may be able to, but it may be a harder ask, right? I do like one thing that is interesting that happened to me. This was like maybe six or seven years ago. I applied for a job because I'm in Silicon Valley at a fang company. And they had this really extensive writing sample. And I spent a lot of time on it trying to perfect it. But at the same time, I was like annoyed because I was like, I'm not getting paid for this because you have such a different mindset when you work for yourself. But anyway... I completed it and their feedback that I did not get the job and their feedback was, oh, you write too much like yourself (laughs) and you don't write enough like us. And I mean, it was a fan company that had like a really, really specific voice. And at first I was really upset by that feedback, but then I was like, well, yeah, like my clients actually hire me because of my voice, not in spite of it. Yeah. Right. Like, so I was like, this job isn't a good fit because if I have to kind of like morph myself to writing exactly like this brand and it's a pretty big departure from how I express myself, like probably not the best fit. Like, I still think I definitely could have knocked it out of the park with that job, by the way. But I think like I would rather work with clients that that want the voice that I'm already offering, maybe with some tweaks a bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a fit thing in that case, it sounds like. Not necessarily skill-based, but just like fit for what each party is looking for. I want to circle back. You said that you often study like the question asking process. And I think that this is a good one too, because it's a good indicator of curiosity versus handholding. And so talk to me a little bit about how you discern somebody who is just trying to do a good job and and wants clarity and clarification on a question that they have versus somebody who maybe doesn't know what they're doing and is asking questions because they are fighting for their life and need need some help getting this like even to the point of finish rather than just good. It's such a fine line. So like when I send something to somebody and they want to immediately get on a call to talk it all through, I'm like, can you like compile your questions first and like give this a try asynchronously because at least in my use case, I'm trying to hire the subcontractor to save myself some time. And again, like me hiring a subcontractor is a lot different than like a company hiring. I do think it's really quite different. So sometimes they like just want to get on a call when I've like sent them like really extensive brief. And I'm like, you should be able to take this and run. And if you have questions, I want you to ask them, but I feel like you should send me an email with the bulleted list of questions. Hmm. So maybe the approach to how they ask questions then. Yeah. Like I just demanding to get on a call can be annoying. It can be a big time suck. That's for sure. Yeah. When I'm like, Sometimes, or like the way that I would prefer is that they send me a list of bulleted questions and are like, 
I'd love if you could get answers to these. Like, I'm also happy to jump on a call if it's easier for you. Like, I think it's all about like, who are you working for and make it easy for them and for the reasons that they're hiring you. I'm often hiring subcontractors because I really need to save time. And I like hire them as kind of pinch hitters when I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a really crazy week. I need someone to do this for me. I think for me, one of the things I see in working with clients is that I'll often circle back with questions that are not necessarily about like, how do I do this work? But how can I do this so that it's exactly what you want it to be? So for example, things like, can you show me an example of a post that you think really encapsulates like the voice or the objective or the formatting, whatever it is, the depth, something that's an indicator of quality on your end. So I know where the bar is. I feel like that's a good question to ask or something like, do you have any internal experts who could speak to this topic? Because I'd really love to tie in a human element to this piece. That would be a great question. What would not be a great question is something like, how do you want me to go about each section? That to me says, can you do the work for me? Can you help me do this? Because I don't know what I'm doing. So a a highly specific question is very different than something that's really generalized and expresses some form of uncertainty with the project or with the assignment. Yeah, I agree. I think that example that you gave of asking for an example is a great example. (laughs) (laughs) I think saying, oh, can you give me an example of a post that really hits the mark with this? Like, I think there's a difference between asking for the tools you need to be successful and delivering value than like trying to like really like milk the client (laughs) for all their worth. There's like a bigger discussion here, which is like, it really depends like all things on like who the client is, how they're hiring you, what they expect out of the relationship and the work. There's some clients that like, they want to give you a content brief. They're open to answering questions about it, but they pretty much want you to run with it and their briefs are pretty complete and they want you to just deliver it. And that's that. There's some clients that want a much more collaborative process where they want to talk about like, I do this when I work with thought leaders who are trying to figure out what they even want to say in a particular post or article. And those instances are a little bit different because there's it's like more of a collaborative process from the beginning. So I'm hesitant to say there's like a perfect way of doing this. I think it's a little bit about feeling out your client. And I think actually asking them If I have questions, what's the best way to ask them? I tell clients, like, if you want me on Slack, because that's where you do your regular workflow, I'm happy to do that. Or if I have questions, I'm going to put them in the Google Docs so they're all in one place. So few people do that. I know. It's so rare. Yeah, but being clear about like, hey, if I have questions, this is where and how I'm going to ask them. Does that work for you? And they may say, like, I had a client recently where, like, They have a Trello board for their freelancers. And I also had them on Slack. I was asking them questions via Slack. And they were like, oh, can you actually ask via Trello? And I was like, yes, yes, of course. And I don't know that that was like a flaw on my part, or even if there was, but there was some open communication of like, hey, if we're going to go back and forth with questions, like this is the place to do it. And then kind of like respecting that, right? There are some people that might just be like, oh, well, Slack is part of my workflow. So I'm going to like keep pinging him on Slack, even if that's not where he wants to be pinged, right? (laughs) Right, which is kind of like beating your head against the wall because you're probably not going to get an answer there. 
Yeah, it reminds me of when people text you, when clients text you, and it's like, I really don't want anything to happen via text, but I think it's some people's just mode of doing things. And that isn't to say you need to jump into their mode when you're working with them, but it's just something to be conscious of, right? And that if you're not going to be in their mode, like explaining why of saying like, hey, like, I don't want to communicate about this via text because I'm worried I'm going to lose some, I'm going to lose the information. Can you put all of this in the Google Doc instead? Again, which is an indicator of attention to detail and like organization and all of those things you want in that type of candidate. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when it's like a friend, like if it's you and we're planning the podcast, we maybe do a bit of back and forth of email and text and a phone call, right? Like there's a little bit of a mix in our Google Doc. So I don't know. I guess I do think that it depends. And I think it depends a lot on like the client, their mode of working. And I think the communication aspect of it is a really big deal of like talking to them about what they want. Yeah. I think a lot of it too comes down to having a collaborative process along the way as well. So if you are through the interview stage of the process, you've been given a test assignment, doing things like, okay, well, I'm going to send you the outline first so I can make sure that we're on the same page before I get too far into this draft. Again, that's a communication thing where you're saying like, I want this to be a collaborative process all along the way. I want this to be as easy as possible for you. I want to make sure that there are clear lines of communication happening where you can see where I'm headed. We can work on this along the way so that you don't wait two weeks to get my draft. And then you're like, oh my God, this is so far off the mark. I'm going to have to just do it myself. So I think that as far as the hiring process or screening process, the early, early stages, it's a matter of, do you have good writing chops? Are you resourceful? Can you deliver the type of product that they're wanting or the type of writing, whatever it may be? Can you match the writing voice? Can you find a blend of your own writing voice and match it with theirs? And then like the communication is such a big piece of it. Can you follow directions? Can you ask questions that are actually helpful, that are useful, that are going to add to the process rather than make it more taxing for the person who's trying to hire you. There are a lot of things that you can do along the way that make you really stand out and differentiate yourself from the average writer because so many people do not tick all of these boxes. They tick maybe one or two and the rest fall by the wayside. That's right. That's right. And I think, as we've said, like it depends, like what are hiring managers looking for? Like it does depend, right? But I think the resourceful piece is really big. Like I just, we can kind of end on that as you've said it well, Kaylee, you talked about resourcefulness. And I think resourcefulness is about like really trying to dig in and make something out of nothing. And that's ultimately what someone is, well, maybe not nothing, but they're trying to create an asset, something that's valuable. And that takes a lot of resourcefulness. So I think if you can kind of demonstrate that and be resourceful, that's a surefire way to make yourself invaluable to clients and hiring managers and anyone else. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Freelance Writing Coach Podcast. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit freelancewritingcoachpodcast.com. Thank you.